politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots jazzed up from the fireworks of freedom. We are now ready to rain those fireworks down on our enemies, our political enemies, that is. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today in the House for July 5th, Tuesday, Blaze Media, this is your place. This is where you will find me now that I've been kicked off of Twitter. You know you are over the target if you are being targeted. And the reality is they will tell you who they're scared of. The left is only scared of those who will fight with full force, who will do back to them what they do to you. And at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. I always joke around. I heart Democrats. I love Democrats. I feel like I'm a Democrat at heart because I have a fighting spirit inside of me and I know that you guys listening to this show have that spirit as well. And that's the question for today. Why is it we cannot find people on the so-called right to fight as indefatigably with as much force, with as much moral clarity, dare I say, because they're immoral clarity, But why is it that we cannot fight for our supposed morality with the same energy that they fight for their immorality? And I'm going to give some examples today, go through some of the news of the day through that theme, as we always try to do. But I hope you guys had as much of a terrific weekend as I did. I really tuned out the news, and I didn't miss much. Uh, It was terrific. Spent a lot of time with the family. We... We went to a really good fireworks show last night, which was just around the corner from us. And we saw those fireworks go up as if a prayer to heaven. But God wants to see that fire in our heart. Do we want it with all our soul? Do we really want a salvation? And then he will reciprocate that by sending that fire back down and raining it on the evildoers. So before we get into today's show, our sponsor today is Bambi. Okay, I know I cannot get distracted by extraneous matters when I'm in the zone focused on what I do best. I do politics, policy the best. I don't have time for tech, HR type of things. I need someone else to take care of that for me. A lot of you who run small businesses, you're good at what you do. You don't need to be dealing with the government regs, minimum wage requirements, termination suits, all sorts of uh, compliance issues with problematic employees sometimes. Bambi was created specifically for a small business owner like you. Typically, an HR manager will cost uh, pretty much 70000 I think, on average a year. <clears throat> They'll give you one for 99 bucks a month. And what that means is they will literally give you someone detached from their company to your organization as your dedicated HR manager. So just as if you would hire someone in-house, they'll be available by phone, email, or real-time chat. They'll customize your policies to fit your business. It's month to month, so it's not even you know 1200 a year. It's 99 bucks a month. No hidden fees. Cancel anytime. Go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now to schedule your free HR audit. Doesn't cost anything. Just do it right now. Free HR audit. Uh, You did not start your business because you wanted to spend time on government HR compliance. So again, go to Bambi.com slash conservatives. That's BAM to the B, -B B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash conservative. 
So one of the things I wanted to go over today, there's been a lot of Supreme Court rulings that we didn't have time to go into <clears throat> so much. But the reality is, as I noted, the Supreme Court session is not nearly as good as you think it is. And I know I'm always the Grinch. I'm always the guy that's throwing cold water on celebrations, prophet of woe and lamentation. But again, I'm not here to lie to you. And everyone thinks we're home to the promised land because of judicial supremacism and the Supreme Court is awesome. But the reality is that the good opinions of the Supreme Court are never as good as the bad ones are bad. And I'm going to give you a good one, and then I'm going to give you a bad one. And I'm going to contrast the outcome. And the reason for this is not so much because of the nature of the court rulings, although often it's been that way, where the good ones are always more narrow, subject to limitation, whereas the bad ones are all you know categorical. But more importantly, it's because the left has one rule of engagement. We win, you lose. They are always willing to do what it takes to win. They're not going to let some Supreme Court ruling get in their way. Whereas with Republicans, it's like, oh my gosh, the Supreme Court said that a horse and a donkey is a marriage? Oh boy, that's it. Here it is, line up your cattle outside the courthouse and go get your marriage document. Or, hey, Men are women too and should be, you know, undressing in the showers with your girls and go to the bathroom there. Absolutely, you're right. We can't stop them. There's nothing we can do. We don't like it, but the Supreme Court said so. Here you go. Oh, the Supreme Court said that homeless people could just camp out throughout the city streets endlessly and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I guess there's nothing we can do to regulate it. You know, we can regulate your your breathing in red states, by the way, make you wear a mask. But no, we, we can't say that you can't camp, camp out on city streets. No way, no how, it's over. No, no, we can't regulate that. Oh, invaders could break into the country and demand any form of a state benefit. Plyler v. Doe. Man, there's nothing we can do. We got to hand it out. Oh, a bunch of Somalis want unlimited visas. Here you go. Here's the visa. That's more at a federal level. These are all real cases, if you remember. Remember the absurdity during Trump's time where basically they just said, like, you know, immigration law doesn't apply. Anyone around the world who wants to come in, you have to issue them a permit. And they're like, sure, here's the visa. And I kept yelping and saying, Courts could give judgment to an individual and absolve them from liability, you know, like a fine or prison time. But something that's within the purview of the executive branch, namely issuing some sort of status, a marriage license, a visa document, the courts don't aren't in charge of that. See, I could say you are exonerated. Okay, they can't lock you up. But I can't say you're exonerated and therefore you get a visa. That that's not what a court does. And I've always said, ultimately, if another branch of government disagrees with the court, it is their duty and responsibility to push back. Now, ultimately, it's the Constitution that matters. And, and no branch of government, including the courts, are allowed to violate the Constitution. But at the end of the day, it's not the courts that are the Constitution. It's one branch. 
And if you remember, I was saying that under Trump's presidency for four years, and people thought I was crazy. You mean you're going to defy a court? And I was saying, no, it's not defying a court. Defying a court would be they say, you know, they stay in execution and you execute the guy anyway. But if they say, hey, there's generally a right to this, but it requires the state to engage and through some sort of permitting process, some sort of application process, if they want to gum up the works and really bog that down and in a practical sense, practically speaking in the world, um, flaunt or obstruct the outcome of what the plaintiffs sought in that ruling, they could totally do that. And the Democrats are now showing us that everything I said was right, and they're showing us how it's done. You know, a lot of a lot of you have given me terrific feedback on the July Fourth show. It really was something I put my heart and soul into, as I do every year. And the biggest takeaway is, as I mentioned, there's six principles in the Declaration, and number six is that when there is a train of usurpations that demonstrates that there's no other way of redressing it, you have the responsibility to throw off that government and start a new one. And that's how the left feels. They're like, hey, that policy is harmful, that's immoral, and their sense of morality, that's destructive, screw it, we're doing it. It's not even like they're saying, hey, we're writing a legal opinion and we disagree with the courts, this is the way we view the co- the Constitution. No, they're like, screw the Constitution, they agree the court's you know, getting the Constitution right in the case of the gun case we're going to talk about. But screw it. It's dangerous. There's too much gun violence. And, and they're shameless. Like, they'll let out the gun felons. They won't even recognize that. And they'll be like, screw it. You know, we're not going to allow that. People have a right to be protected. And we're, we're, we're going to do that. Done. Gone. They have that fighting spirit. They have that revolutionary spirit. Do we... And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to learn from their spirit. Now, our other sponsor today is Moinkbox. With all of the garbage and inflammation that's put into our food today, we're rapidly reaching a point where you will not be able to get affordable, healthy, tasty animal proteins. But Moink, an American farmer, Fifth generation delivers grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork, and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaska salmon, straight to your door. Um, They have no additives, no antibiotics, no preservatives, no inflammation in them. Get oinked, just like I did, just like my friends. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash conservative to get your monthly boxes. You could pick out your different assortment of grass-fed meats and chicken. And by signing up at moinkbox.com slash conservative, listeners could get free filet mignon for a year. Yes, that is the best tasting filet mignon you'll ever taste. You could just see the sizzling right now in your oven. You know you want it. Again, moinkbox.com. Moink is an oink, M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash conservative. Okay, so what am I leading up to? I'm not trying to brag here. I'm not trying to say, see, I told you so, like Rush Limbaugh's first book. But I kind of am telling you, see, I told you so. I, I knew they would do this because they always do this. 
My son was asking me last week as I was headed out the door, hey, why aren't you carrying? I thought the Supreme Court said you could carry. I'm here in Maryland where it's one of the seven non-shall-issue states, and you know, unless you could show your unique circumstance, generally speaking, they won't give you a permit. And it was categorically overturned in the most unambiguous terms, that this is straight up in the Constitution, straight up in the language of the Second Amendment, and history and tradition, and, and you can't do this. And I said, well, yeah, but we live in Maryland, and they don't believe in the Constitution. <clears throat> so here we are. I could be wrong, but name me one of the seven states. If you're a member, of, a resident of one of those seven states who hasn't been able to carry, are you able to carry so far? No, you aren't. Not at all. As I mentioned, they will gum up the works. Now, obviously what they're doing is wrong, not because they're defying a court. Court doesn't have the final say. I'm going to be consistent on that, even if I disagree with what they're doing. They're wrong because it's unconstitutional. That's why they're wrong, and they know it. Meaning it's not like they're writing a legal opinion and saying, look, we don't, you know, you got it wrong. They're like, screw that. Public safety comes first. We're doing what we, what we want. Unambiguous right. I, I, I just, I love their fighting spirit. You go back to Obergefell. An hour after, imagine we live from Adam and Eve all the way until, what was it, 2015. And suddenly marriage is redefined. A state cannot define marriage as it always has defined. Even though two years prior, that very Supreme Court justice who wrote that opinion in Windsor said that states have full control over marriage, that was always legitimate, done. You have to issue marriage licenses to people that aren't a man and a woman. They didn't say exactly what it is. And within an hour, you saw the pictures, the ceremonies taking place, done. The red states were like, yes, here it is. A marriage is not a marriage. Done. They didn't try to put up roadblocks. Okay, well, you apply this way, that way. Nothing. They didn't make them come back for a legal game of catch me if you can. Done. And not only that, one clerk who tried to obstruct wound up in prison. Kim Davis in eastern Kentucky. Red State wound up in prison. Yet here we are to this day denying thousands of gun permits after... You know, and this wasn't some bogus, like, oh, the dignity of people requires we do this. No, this is straight up in the Constitution. And they're like, screw that. Attorney General Brian Frosch of Maryland, he said Marylanders have a right to be protected from these dangerous weapons that pose grave risks to public safety. Despite the Bruin ruling, the state's law remains in effect. Done. Massachusetts AG did the same thing. Now, Larry Hogan, the governor, because it's a blue state, but there is a rhino Republican governor, and this is like, as always, the one issue he's a little bit conservative on. So just minutes ago, he did say you have to, he issued an order to the state police finally saying you have to change that, but I'm not done yet. Even then, it's not clear that that's going to change. New York went and responded to the Supreme Court ruling. You know how many times they said, the legislature and the governor need to get together and respond to the ruling, and the red states never did it. Look at the blue states. Immediately, they're like, screw that. 
they actually passed a law updating their carry laws because all states allow to carry for certain people, right? Just for most people, they didn't. Now they actually limited it even more. They passed it like two to one in the legislature. Kathy Hochul, the New York governor, signed it. And it bans carry at government buildings, healthcare facilities, places of worship, libraries, public playgrounds, parks, daycares, summer camps, addiction mental health centers, shelters, public transit, bars, theaters, stadiums, and museums, polling places, and casinos. <laughs> so everywhere else, for now, you could carry. Signed into law. I told you this is what they're going to do. They're going to take forever to get um, a permit. They're going to ban the type of things you can carry. They're going to ban the type of places you can carry. And that this is, I'm just telling you, as much as I don't like the outcome and as much as these people need to be hung and arrested for violating the Constitution, I'm just telling you, the courts have neither force nor will. And this is what it means. They're like, okay. So you're telling me people generally have the right to carry some sort of firearm under some circumstance in some place. And what they're going to do is limit, limit, and make you come back and sue them every time. Remember, it took 14 years to apply the unambiguous language of Heller to the right to carry outside your home. New Jersey plans to increase training requirements, limit places people can carry, similar to New York, micro-stamping technology that can help law enforcement identify perpetrators of gun violence, enacting public nuisance laws that will allow uh, the governor to take action against firearms companies. So they're going to harass them even more. They're going to use this. Micro-stamping is something California did years ago. Californians have a very limited list of firearms that they can purchase. They can't buy any guns produced after the date of the micro-stamping law without that technology being on the guns. So it's like worthless. This is what they're going to do to you. It's beautiful. I mean, it's horrible. It's illegal. It's immoral. As these same bastards let out gun felons from prison. So now you, you, you'll be denuded of your ability to defend yourself. But it is beautiful watching how even in the face of the most categorical Supreme Court ruling, like, screw that, we'll do what we want. And again, it's not just this ruling. The court issued a subsequent ruling a few days ago remanding a number of these other cases back. So it's not just the right to carry, but if you notice, all these states have so-called assault weapons bans, which, as you well know, they're not even just rifles, but many common 9mm handguns. You can't get your hands on them. Capacity bans. Anything over 10, 10 rounds, which is almost anything that's not a subcompact. So they remanded a, a number of these cases back, basically with instructions saying, hey, this is out of sync with the Bruin ruling, and you have to get it in sync with that. They're like, screw that. California is looking into barring all concealed carry for those under 21, requiring in-person interviews with the applicant, at least three character references. That's what we have in Maryland right now. And there's no evidence they're not going to change that. They, they'll say, okay, you have to change your good and substantial reason. Generally, you have to make it available to everyone. They'll harass you at an interview. You have to have three character witnesses. I just started filling out an application. It's like, geez, I have to know, you know, so you list like a friend or something, a neighbor. I have to know the address of his workplace. I have to call them all up. There's no other fundamental right spelled out in the Constitution that before exercising, you have to do this. But they get away with it. 
They get a Delaware. They also signed a law responding to the court ruling, banning so many more common weapons, even after the Supreme Court remanded a Delaware case, I believe it was a Delaware case, on so-called these similar assault weapons bans back to the lower appellate court. Adam Winkler, professor at the UCLA School of Law, he said it best. This case is not the final word. It's the beginning of a multi-year battle over concealed carry regulations. And that's what they do. Whereas our side's like, oh, I guess a state can't regulate, you know, men and women not being together in the same bathroom, a marriage, tranny surgery, castration, homeless encampment, illegal aliens, I guess so. Done. They won't even try to go up against it, rub up against it. Roe v. Wade was the one thing they did that with because, again, there was an industry on the right for it. But this needs to be done everywhere. I mean, I feel a little guilty, but I'm, like, almost happy about this because <laughs> it's such a teachable moment, even though I myself am literally affected by this. I still can't get a permit. But... You understand what I mean when everyone looked at me and they were like, Daniel, you're going to defy a court? I said, the blue states do it all the time. They do it all the time. And, and look at Roe v. Wade or Dobbs, the Dobbs case. Oh, Daniel, that was an amazing categorical ruling. Yeah, so the states try to regulate it. Bam, they have an injunction on it in three seconds. Five, six states so far. Some are state courts, some are federal lower courts. In fact, a judge, this might have been state, I can't remember because there's so many of them. In Florida, Florida didn't even have a trigger law to automatically ban all abortions. It was just 15 weeks, even 15 weeks. So can you imagine after after Dobbs, which said the states are free to do it, state legislatures could do what they want, even a 15-week ban, they put an injunction on in the state court. And yet... We have not gotten any subsequent injunctions on states regulating these permits the way they are, they are, even after the Supreme Court said they cannot regulate it. Yet we got an injunction on the red states regulating abortion after the Supreme Court said they can fully regulate it as much as they want with low, no limitations. Why? Because it's not about the law. And this is what I meant on Friday. When I said the Constitution is dead, it's all a matter of what you are willing to fight for, which is the spirit of the Declaration, which is alive. The left is willing to fight for their illogical, immoral, inhumane, disgusting policies that violate history and tradition and the Constitution. Our side will not fight for what is just moral in line with history and tradition and certainly clearly in the Constitution or at least they're able, they're not restrained from doing it based on a constitutional dictate, and done. They don't care. Now let me juxtapose that to another ruling. Let's talk about another case, Biden v. Texas. This came out last week, where Kavanaugh joined Robert's opinion along with the you know Democrat appointees, and even Barrett was kind of milk toast on it, saying basically that Biden is free to violate the Immigration and Nationality Act with impunity 
and just bring in millions of illegals and release them indefinitely to all corners of this country against the most foundational sovereignty statutes, longstanding laws passed by Congress. Now, before we get to the main point why I'm bringing this in, just the political response, but let's talk about the legality a little bit, just the actual court ruling, because a lot of people are very confused about this. So remember under Trump, the courts constantly said, you must continue the executive policies of Obama, even when they certainly weren't mandated by law. At best, they were elective, and usually they actually defied statute. So Obama out of nowhere said, hey, not only am I not going to deport certain illegals, but I'm going to give them amnesty. And this was his DACA program. So it was obvious on day one, okay, so Trump would end that. Now, it took him a while to even do that because he had a lot of problems in his administration. But when he did it, the same jerk-off, John Roberts, wrote the opinion saying, no, you have to continue your predecessor's policies. Unbelievable. You have to continue his amnesty where he unilaterally granted citizen privileges, some citizen privileges, to invaders against the foundational laws of the country. And as we noted on Friday in our expo, our um, exposition of the Declaration of Independence against popular sovereignty, the dictate that you need governance by the consent of the governed, so people could unilaterally assert jurisdiction, break into the country, and you have to give them status. Fine, okay. Then you come to Biden, and he wants to terminate a Trump-era immigration policy, the return to Mexico policy, that, look, if you want to claim that you have asylum, say 10 trillion people have asylum, that the, this whole bogus credi- credible fear nonsense, well, you can't do that while leaving the American people on the hook for your public charge and criminality while you're here, and maybe you'll abscond, which they do. No, you're going to go back to Mexico and wait your turn. So... Texas sued Biden for getting rid of that because they're getting flooded with the illegals. And in Biden v. Texas, Roberts and Kavanaugh, again, joined with the Democrat appointees to say, no, he doesn't have to continue that. It's optional. Now, I want to make something very clear. You might say, well, Daniel, you just said, you, you know, you don't have to continue the predecessor's policies. It's not that simple. It's not a matter of the particular process of return to Mexico that Biden has to continue. He doesn't. But what he is not allowed to do is violate the INA, and that was Texas's claim, and release them into the country. I I just want to – there's a little bit in the weeds, but you guys are smart and can follow this because I want to show you the the depravity of Kavanaugh and how we can never benefit – even when we have a generally good Supreme Court session, but how the bad opinions are more bad than the good ones are good. So the INA, it's it's in 8 USC, that's where the INA is, 1225. Okay, that's the title. So specifically in B2A, it states, right, if you catch anyone over the border, quote, not clearly and beyond a doubt entitled to be admitted... The individual shall be detained, shall be detained for removal proceedings. 
Okay, a lot of people think, oh, they get to come in, be released. No, 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 no. Okay, the, the onus is on the illegal. That's what sovereignty is. Oh, Daniel, you have to prove that he's not admissible. Otherwise, no, no, the opposite. Unless he could prove that beyond the shadow of a doubt he is admissible, he has to be detained and put into removal proceedings. It's called having a country. Okay? Now, okay, Daniel, but that but this is different because they're claiming credible fear, asylum, so, so that we have to let them in, right? No. 1225B1B2 makes it clear that the asylum petitioner shall be detained for further consideration of the application for asylum. So you either remove them or you could have proceedings, but if they want to remain and go through that process, they shall be detained. So how did they get around it? The majority wrote an opinion. They said, because no, in 1225B2C, which deals with returning aliens to their country of origin, it states that DHS may return them. So you see, you know, it's only return to Mexico is a may. It's optional. Trump utilized it. But Biden doesn't have to continue, continue it. Now, look how dishonest that is. There's one problem with it. The same law states that DHS shall either not allow them to enter the country or must detain them. Now, one way to fulfill that dictate is to return them to Mexico. If Biden doesn't want to do that, that's fine. But then he has to detain them here. Oh, but, but it's not feasible because we only have 30,000 beds. We don't have 3 trillion beds. That's your problem. Then all the more so, that shows that you have to return them. Meaning, it's an accurate statement to say in a vacuum, return to Mexico is optional. But it's mandatory that you cannot release them. So you could detain them. But if you don't want to detain them, which they're saying, then return to Mexico. Forget that. It's not because of Trump's executive policy. Pursuant to the INA is mandatory. Shall. But you look at how these sneaky little SOBs use one may on one statute in a, in a isolation to over two, overturn two shalls of the broader outcome of the statute to violate sovereignty. Moreover, if you have so many people supposedly claiming credible fear that you don't even have enough detention space, that's a prima facie uh, indication that it's bogus and it's an invasion. But, I mean, you knew that. So, I, I mean, again, I know I'm deviating a little bit going in, in the weeds here, but I think this is important just to show how these nerdy Republican judges like Kavanaugh twist the law to get wrapped up in this, like, you know, deep in, in the weeds to use statute in the Constitution against us to come up with an outcome that is antithetical to Popular sovereignty, not just the Constitution, but the social compact. And they do this all the time. So again, we're governed by the law of the jungle, the rule of political will. Only one side that has it. Whenever you start discussing law, it just gets used against us, never against them. Never limits what they do, as we saw with Bruin, with the gun provision. Um, Alito, in his dissent, offered a perfect analogy to show this Amelia Bedelia garbage that Kavanaugh and Roberts were playing. He says, 
so a state that operates its own motor vehicle inspection facilities, right? So you, most states, you have to have this stupid motor vehicle inspection. And states usually have their own facilities that do it. So they have a law that says every vehicle shall be inspected every year. Done. Yeah, right. So that's the, the, the plenary general law. You can't get around that. You need an inspection. Now, happens to be. How do you do that? What are the ways of fulfilling that broader dictate? Well, they offer um, their own facilities. The law says that motorists may also have their vehicles inspected at a licensed private garage. So you don't have to come to a state facility. You have to get it inspected somehow. You could fulfill that through a private garage that's licensed. So the motorist fails to have his car inspected because he you know he has to work during that time it's annoying to take off of work when the state facility is open and would rather be fired and is scared that he'd be fired if he took off time and you know these nerdy state facilities are open for 3 minutes so he's like i i can't make it there but then the motorist also declines to have his car inspected at the private garage that is open even during his off hours because the law only says that he may use such a facility. So the guy's like, hey, it says you may use the garage. So I opt not to use it. I'm not getting my car inspected. I'm, allow- I'm continuing to allow it to drive on the state roads without getting inspected. It says may. It says may. Would the motorist escape a citation? And I think you well know that none of us would be able to twist the law that way in such an absurd way. Yet the government when they have requirements, the core reason why we have a federal government, literally, is to prevent border invasions. There's nothing else we really need them for. That is why they were created. And they're like, well, I only may deport them. And when, of course, if you put it all together, you have to put them in removal proceedings. It's just if you want to have a proceeding for credible fear, then you shall detain them. They're like, well, we don't want to return them to Mexico, so we'll just release them. Huh? But anyway, that's what he bought into. So what I'm telling you is that ruling is devastating because that ensures now there is no backstop at a federal level that's ever going to stop the invasion. But guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because the states should fight this. The states should deport them on their own. But I guarantee you they're going to be like, Daniel, the courts won't allow us to do it. You see what I mean? When they win a court opinion, it has devastating consequences. When we win one, they're like, hey, hold my beer. I'll do what I want. I'll do what I want. That's the imbalance between these opinions. And again, it's not really even the courts. It's that the Republican Party is subversive. The Republican Party actually loves losing court opinions because then they could come back and say, well, the court said there's nothing we can do. Does the left ever do that for their people? They will fight for their people no matter how unambiguous the law is. Again, nobody is writing a legal opinion saying, like, look, we think this is well within the means of the Second Amendment. They're like, screw it. There's violence on the gun violence. We have a responsibility to protect our people. We're going to do what we want. Where is that spirit on our side? That's what I want to know. Now, by the way, guys, 
For those of you looking where to find me, I have not made a decision where I'm headed permanently. On Twitter, you could find my burner account, which I'm still posting at, Dane Horowitz Fan. On Getter, I'm Daniel underscore Horowitz. I have a Telegram channel if you want to follow COVID truth bombs. But, folks, morality is doing the right thing regardless of the consequences and regardless of what you are told. Okay? Yet Republicans, they do what they're told regardless of the morality and the consequences. See, Democrats, they'll be like, they'll take something immoral and they'll be told to do something. They'll say, screw that. And that's why, to me, I'm convinced you're never going to here, here's the deal. Judicial supremacy, there is an avenue that potentially we could benefit from, right? Things that we can't accomplish politically. You get the courts to do it for us. So those of you in blue states without any rights, you can count on the courts to protect you. On the other hand, there are potential obstruction in the red states where politically we can accomplish things and the courts put injunctions on those things. My concern is, and, and I, this is where you're only going to hear this in, on this show. I know I dissent from everyone else around. I am actually not happy about this court session. Because all it did was juice up the notion that the courts are somehow conservative and we're benefiting from judicial supremacism. So now when the courts inevitably will continue, as we're seeing, ruling against us, we will be subject to abiding by them while the left doesn't abide by the good opinions anyway in the states they control. So I would have much rather turned to the left and say, hey, you're worried about a Supreme Court majority? Let's shake hands on it. We know you're not going to listen anyway, so don't listen, but we're not going to listen to the bad opinions either. And anything that is broadly political will um, <clears throat> you know, will decide in the state legislatures. Don't get me wrong. The courts have should be involved to an extent. If your rights are being taken away, you should have a right to go to a court. But I'm just saying, if we're not going to benefit anyway, I'd love to just move away from judicial supremacism. This is 4D chess. What you're hearing from other conservative commentators is checkers. It's one-dimensional. They don't understand it. And I think the gun case brings that out. And you know what other case does? I brought this up on Friday. To me, the ultimate litmus test of whether we'd have a technical legal body that has the power to pretty much like stop things in its tracks, whether it's worth buying into judicial supremacism, um, that there might be a day that, that we're going to need it, where we have no political clout, where there was so much fear, and they just did what they wanted, and all we could do was turn to the courts. Well, we had that. That was COVID fascism. New York... Healthcare workers turned to the courts and said, please, they're forcing this shot against our medical wishes, our religious beliefs. Dangerous, negative, effective, outdated shot. Doesn't work, causes so many issues. And look at where we are. And once again, the Supreme Court ruled last week, six to three. They didn't rule. They denied the appeal. They wouldn't take it up. They refuse it. Thomas was really upset. And that's where it stands. So under the guise of public health, 
the Supreme Court has made it very clear there is quite literally nothing they cannot do to your body in a blue state. And again, even if they put limitations on it, I doubt they would abide by them anyway. So all we have from the courts is in the red states where we might be able to fight to get the political power to do what we want to do on crime, on illegal immigration, on the culture and grooming and transgenderism, the homosexual agenda, medical freedom. And the courts are going to get in the way. I mean, look, we had courts say you couldn't not allow school districts to mandate a mask. We had courts directly mandating masks in Knox County, Tennessee, a federal court. That's what I'm telling you. Nobody else is going to see it the way I see it. They're all going to be like, are you crazy? This is the greatest thing ever. The only thing that's ever gone right this year has been the courts. If you look in the scheme of things, it's not true. I know it's not popular. You know, someone uh, sent me really the email of the week, and I'm sorry I forgot his name. He might not have given me his name. But one of our listeners, he said, we use the term red-pilled for a lib who turns conservative, but we need a term for a conservative whose eyes are open after listening to see our podcast. The gap in transformation is about as dramatic. You are the concentrated syrup of our movement. Most can't handle it, and they need to water the watered-down version. Speaking of watered-down conservatism, 95% of conservative media has been trumpeting the following talking point for eight months. Look at the Dems. How stupid are they? They're going to get spanked in the midterms, and they're too dumb to course correct. (laughs) Now, to crystallize how foolish this take is, I ask people the following question. If you could get 85% of our conservative agenda completely implemented, but... It somehow meant Republicans getting blown out in the midterms of 2026. Would you take that deal? Everyone thinks for a second and then says, yeah, they they take the deal. Still think they're dumb, I ask? This simple exercise fundamentally shows people that the GOP plays a game while the Dems are playing for results. In a way, the Dems operate like, like the Lakers and the Yankees. They're content having a few lean years to rebuild after ripping off a championship. Very, very well said. And and that's really what I'm trying to open people's eyes up. Stop looking at politics one-dimensionally in a static way. Politics is not a math. It's not a matter of numbers. You had this number of Supreme Court wins or this number of seats in an, an election. It, 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 it's an amalgamation of a bunch of factors. It's an art. It's an art. And it's shocking how few people see this. But again, it doesn't have to be this way. The other side's agenda is more unpopular than ever. And you see how successful they are, even when it's unpopular. Certainly when our issues are popular and moral and just and constitutional. Stop getting caught up on things. Just do. Point and shoot. That's what we need. The left does not get bogged down. Neither should we. And then, of course, there's COVID fascism itself, which is the ultimate example of how the Democrats will look you in the eye and kill you with something. They'll create a pathogen. They'll block the treatment for it. They'll foist upon you bioweapons that make it worse. And after two years of it becoming clear that everything they did made it worse, they'll say, we'll make you do this again. I mean, the New York City mayor said what over the weekend? 
Is it Thursday, Friday? That come winter, he's going to mandate all children get more shots. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's not even like they're pretending this is going away. And Republicans and the conservative media has moved on from this. I don't get it. This is the biggest life liberty issue, and it still is and still will be if, until we deal with this. We haven't even attempted to deal with this. You know what's so sad? I, I got to run in a couple minutes. Both my parents finally got COVID, and you know they live close by. I'm trying to get them stuff, and you know I'm I'm fortunate enough to have some doctors I could consult with and who are willing to write prescriptions. And I'm thinking, you know, they got the stupid shots. I mean, they didn't get anything more after that because they they realized it was a scam, and it literally did nothing, as we know, and likely makes it that they're more prone to thrombosis and things like that. And now I have to worry about dealing with that. And I'm thinking, you know, if I wouldn't have gotten into this, if God wouldn't have led me down this path, you know, you'd have two seniors sitting at home, get COVID, and their doctors would do absolutely nothing with them when these same jerk-offs, my father's doctor put out a recent, he, he sent a letter to his practice and this is recently, long after anyone is even talking about hydroxy, saying you shouldn't take hydroxychloroquine. Okay, buddy, well, what should we take? Nothing. Nothing Nothing to say. And he quotes Scott Gottlieb. My father sends it back like, hey, conflict of interest. Is he on Pfizer's board? He said nothing to him. But after taking the shots, and people get very sick because this is a bioweapon, and they have nothing there for them. And I still do wonder if this thing is going to get worse, if it already maybe did get worse because of Vandenbosch's premonition, because the original one got worse until Omicron was a newly released bioweapon. But then now that that's been out circulating with the suboptimal pressure from the shots, endless, endless shots, is it starting to get worse? But they get away with this. So we, we cannot let up on this issue either. Um, so look, as always, there's so much more information that comes out that's damning. You know, there's this massive document that's been released, one of the many documents. It's a few thousand pages on page 2525. Pfizer shows six deaths in their trial that were relatively young. Some of them were like four or eight days after taking the shot, and none of them were ruled as a vaccine-related death. And then there's like um, several thousand severe adverse events. None of them are labeled as such. So this is a huge document because we always knew, or like, wait a minute, we're seeing this everywhere. There's no way they didn't see this in the trials. Now we know they did. They just engaged in black magic. They're like, hey, now you see it, now you don't. No injury or death that occurred was due to the shot. So therefore, we could just say, the shot is safe and effective. It is it is disgusting. I believe it's Ecuador or maybe one of the other countries now. I'll, I'll have to take a look. Someone just sent this to me. The court there is requiring Pfizer to release a bunch of information proving its safety and efficacy. In America, we don't have that. They could do what they want. So... We don't have time for much today. We'll have other guests on this week dealing with this more.
but we'll just go through some things I've seen. Um, this is Ron on Twitter. He's Ron Israeli. He's a good analyst from Israel, and and he translates some of the Ministry of Health information that's in Hebrew, and he says that there's an analysis from the Ministry of Health from last week of the last week in June that shows that vaccinated people are three to five times more likely to receive a positive COVID diagnosis 10 days after entering Israel. Three to five times more likely. And he goes through proving why there's no confounders that would really disrupt that concern. And then more and more, it turns it turns out that if you examine countries' birth rates, there has been a sudden drop in birth rates everywhere. Igor Chudov on his substack has Hungary, which now has the worst drop he's ever seen. Remember last week we talked about the 22% drop uh, in uh, birth rate in Taiwan. He now found Hungary, and he goes through... They, they divide it by counties there. They have like 20 different counties. The most vaccinated counties have the worst birth rate drop. This is really a really scary piece because until now, we found macro data. So it's just like right around nine months after childbearing age people began getting the shots, we're seeing well beyond like nine, 10, and sometimes 20 standard deviations over drop in one quarter in births. And it's like, whoa, okay, there's no readily available explanation for that, and it's well beyond the standard deviation. But now he's dug deeper, and he found a car- he found a correlation, looks like a pretty strong one, between the vaccination rates of each county. Because Hungary is a pretty good country to do this with because there are some um, counties that have pretty low vaccination rate. So he says, I decided to pick the five most vaccinated counties and the five least vaccinated counties to compare them. And basically, he found that the five least vaccinated counties experienced a 4.6% drop in birth rate. Okay, this is between quarter one of 2021 and quarter one of 2022. This is what we're doing. We're looking at quarter one of 2022 because that's about nine months after most had the shots. Okay, quarter one of 2022. So, you know, there are seasonal changes, believe it or not. I I, I forgot why, but I think that's pretty consistent. So you, when you want, you want to compare quarter to quarter. So quarter one, 2022 versus quarter one, 2021. 4.6% drop in birth rate in the five least vaccinated counties. You go to the five most vaccinated counties, it's a 15, 15.2%. Okay, so that's more than triple. More than triple. There's something wrong there. More than three times greater than in the least vaccinated counties. It's an apples-to-apples, Hungarian-to-Hungarian, same time period comparison. Okay? 
this is um he ran a linear regression of the 20 county data pairs vaccination rate on July 13th 2021 versus birth rate rate drop and he found a very strong correlation so it's highly likely not a fluke it's correlation but highly likely not a fluke this is very well done. Kudos to him for doing this. But they're able to get, that's what I'm telling you, they are able to do things that are genocidal and get away with it. And yet Republicans won't fight for the easiest, most winning issues. Truly, truly disgusting. But anyway, I got to leave it at that today. I had a couple more things on the list, but we're going to cut it a little bit short today because I got to do the job that every other doctor won't do. I am my parents' keeper. Got to make sure they get their stuff. You know, they're doing fine now, but it's, uh, it's, it's insane that two and a half years into this, we have to still be doing this. It's still circulating, and it probably still will. People will probably get it multiple times. You can never get immunity because of what these shots have done to people. It's so disgusting. Oh, and it's not like, you know, you can call your, your uh, it's, it's not even a matter of ivermectin, it is oxyhydroxychloroquine. It's a matter of everyone knows that this version seems to spawn bacterial infections and your physician will not prescribe um, a single antibiotic. The only thing they will prescribe now, it's actually worse than before. Before, they just say, go home until you can't breathe. Now they'll say, hey, here's some Paxlovid for you. Here's another bioweapon that will probably, God knows, do what to your body and then make the virus worse. So this is where we're at, but we are just starting off the week. Again, because I'm off Twitter, this show is really the primary way of finding me, although I am on Twitter at Dan Horowitz Fan, on Getter, Daniel underscore Horowitz, on uh, Telegram at COVID Truth Bombs. But send this show to everyone you know. Please give us a five star rating with a comment or review on iTunes. It really helps with the algorithms. It helps us compete with the with the general noise. Um, and that's what we got to do. We're gonna, always going to focus on the important issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.